Hey, everybody. It's Frank Scappaticci with the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. Haven't been on the podcast in a few weeks, I think. It's probably been two weeks. John and I and Adam have been on the road. We had our company offsite in Tampa. Last week, we went to the self-storage conference in Orlando. After that, um, we've been doing due diligence, flying out to different properties for storage facilities or for our storage business. So we have been neglecting the podcast. So sorry if you're a recurring listener, our bad, but we're getting back on track today. Today, I'm doing a solo episode and I'm going to talk about changes um, that we've seen in the real estate market, how it's affected our business and some of the decisions we recently made about our company. And um, I'm going to go into some of the reasons for that. And uh, spoiler alert, the big decision that we made last week at our offsite is we're going to pause acquisitions for single family houses. And we are going to allocate additional manpower and basically repurpose our team to finding, funding, and finishing really, really good storage deals. doesn't mean we're going to leave single family forever, but at this point in time, we think it's prudent to um, double down on what has been working best for our company, which is self-storage investment over the last six to 10 months. So um, like why? Like how did we get here, right? So our company, we started uh, just over two years ago and uh, started as a side hustle. And uh, it was really John and I and another buddy. Um, we said, hey, let's uh, let's just take some uh, the time that COVID gave us, right? All of our commutes disappeared. No one was commuting to work anymore. So all of us gained about one, two hours a day that uh, we previously didn't have. So we said, hey, let's uh, let's hustle some houses, right? We all had some real estate experience, not a ton, but some. And uh, everyone wants to make more money, right? So we wanted to seize the opportunity. And um, you know, fast forward three months, we had already closed on, I don't know, seven to 10 deals, most of which we ended up wholesaling because we didn't have the capital or didn't know how to raise capital in a short time frame. So that was the only way we could monetize them at that point. You know, since then we've we've gotten a lot better at um, leveraging relationships with hard money lenders and private lenders to take down deals. But at the beginning, we didn't know what we were doing, like a lot of other wholesalers, right? Um, and then we we continue doing single family across various markets, um, nationwide wholesaling. Really, um, we probably owned homes in twelve different cities at at one point, and um, it was good, right? We did well. Uh, we had some initial growing pains, right? We had some partners change out, leave the company. Um, but then after that, things went well, right? We were starting to make some money. The team was growing. We had a lot of cold callers and we were locking up anywhere between 10 and sometimes over 20 houses a month under contract. So it was it was humming, right? Amongst the wholesale community, we were doing pretty good compared to our competition. Um, then sometime in 2021 or late 2020, I, I can't remember the time frame. it escapes me, but you know, the marketing got disrupted. Text messages got capped. Carriers started to get smarter. If you had high volume um, outbound marketing, you started to get your numbers flagged as spam and you'd have to spend money to buy new numbers. That's how it works. In wholesaling, if you have a phone number that gets recognized as spam, you probably need to get a new phone number. You got to pay for that using uh, all the dialers and other technologies that are out there. So our costs on the marketing side continued to go up, but we were locking up contracts. So we said, screw it. Let's just, let's keep going. And our flips were killing it because the market was hot, right? So every, you could do a terrible rehab in 2021. Um, but as long as you got something at a decent price, the market would kind of cover up your mistakes. 
which um which is really which makes it conducive to nationwide flipping, right? Because your your mistakes are getting covered up. You saw this with iBuyers, right? I think uh, I think Zillow and Open Door attributed seventy percent of um, their margins on deals, right? If you take their admin out of the equation and just their margins on deals, seventy percent of it was built off of appreciation, right? So you could do it. Well, a couple of things we started to see, right? Single fit because of this competition started to increase. So sellers started getting more and more marketing, right? More and more messaging, more direct mail to their doorstep, more phone calls from people like us, more text messages, all that stuff. And the carriers continued to put downward pressure on our outbound marketing functions in our company, right? What does that do from an economics perspective to a single family flipper and wholesaler? Well, it's going to increase your cost to acquire a contract, right? You're spending a ton of money on outbound marketing. It's the number one expense in that business. And it goes up, right? It's going up. So we saw that. And then we also saw um, a little bit of a challenge on the back half of our business in that because so many of our properties were in different parts of the country in nationwide wholesaling, you end up with the problem of going very broad and not deep in any particular market. So you rely on outbound marketing to sell deals as well, rather than having really, really deep relationships. Wholesalers in that operate maybe one to three markets probably have a list of their top 10 to 15 buyers across those three markets. And they go to them first and probably let them take the deal down if they give them a strong offer, right? That's a very, very simple marketing operation uh, on the disposition side or the sales side of a wholesaling company. That's very, very simple because we operate in so many different locations and we're doing nationwide marketing and PPC. We're sending out um, marketing materials on every single deal we lock up and a lot of the times we're dealing with new buyers and what happened, right? So we spend money there too. So the margins get compressed a little bit per deal. So we're betting on volume, not margin in that business model. But what also started to happen is just like on the acquisition side, there was a lot of people jumping in and it was getting competitive. We also started to run into a lot of issues with buyers too. Buyers just being inexperienced, not knowing what they're doing, trying to daisy chain deals. And in addition to that, um, trying to steal them, right? We had a lot of poachers as well. So things got a little crazy. And um, it started to feel like we were just like running in a hamster wheel, right? They call it the wholesaling and flipping hamster wheel. We started to experience a little bit of that and the profitability in our company started to decrease. So um, the wholesaling is hard, right? There's, I know people that are doing a really, really good job continuing in wholesaling, but I do question if the nationwide um, wholesaling efforts are those companies like ours are still producing high margins. There's probably some out there that are, there's always people that outperform their competition, but we, we saw differences in our profitability, even with very, very little change to our own operations. So I just wanted to call that out. Uh, but I do know someone I was talking to yesterday on the phone, uh, a guy named Ian who works in Savannah and Columbia and parts of Florida. He just has three markets and he's killing it, right? So people that go deep in markets are still doing fine, I think, on the wholesaling side. But uh, what happened in parallel with that, right? I just mentioned before, we we have transitioned our company to be focused on self-storage. Um, so we're now in commercial real estate. Uh, we've locked up and closed on three properties. We have two offers out on additional properties today. And all of our deals are doing really, really well. In fact, one of them we're flipping for a pretty significant profit. We've only owned it for a month, um, but we're going to take the profits off the table. Um, and the earnest money went hard on that yesterday. So that's that's good. 
And the other two facilities we're going to hold on to for probably three to five years plus, maybe forever. And they're doing really well. So John and I started looking at the numbers and we said, hey, it's been nine months since we started our storage business. And we're looking at our fees that we collected, our cash flow monthly, our investor performance, most importantly, and the tax benefits. Um, and we were saying, hey, like, let, let's pull our resources and get completely behind this. Like Ron Swanson said on Parks and Rec, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing, which, which is it's kind of funny, but that's, it's true. So we want everyone swimming in the same direction. So we made that change this week. And now our entire team is uh, getting trained up on self-storage. And we already had three qualified leads come in yesterday. Um, and thankfully, our team is well-versed on outbound marketing and direct-to-seller marketing. So that part of the business looks very, very similar. We just switched out the asset class from single family to storage, right? But what do I want to, um, this is a long story, but I'm trying to get to a point and, um, and what, uh, what epiphany we had. And hopefully I can add value to anyone who's listening. Like what lesson is to be learned here, right? And I think this is it. I think when I look at nationwide wholesaling and flipping and really any company in real estate where marketing and direct to seller is like 90% of your competency, right? If 90% of your competency is in direct to seller, I think you're going to do really, really well in as an opportunist, meaning when blood's in the water or when there's inefficiency in the market, you can come in, put tons of volume out there in terms of marketing and find opportunities, right? Those opportunities will pop up and you can arbitrage those houses, right? That's what you're doing. You're buying at a low price, you're selling at a higher price. You're just arbitraging a asset class that's a little less efficient than the stock market, right? That's what you're trying to do. When blood is in the water, think like 2012 to 2015, much easier to do. Then you go 2015 to 2019, it's getting harder and harder, but still possible. 2020 shows up. Um, and after the COVID um, fear left the market, the market started to get really, really efficient. And when the market gets really, really efficient, those opportunities for arbitrage tend to go down. So who, how do you win when arbitrage starts to disappear? It's not, it didn't disappear, but lessens, right? It decreases. Well, in my mind, um, operators and people who have operational chops tend to start to win when that happens, right? What does that look like in real estate? I think people that go deep in one market that really understand the market start to have an advantage, right? They, because the opportunities are more sparse, information is key. And they're simply gonna have more information than someone who does nationwide flipping wholesaling or what have you, right? So someone deep in a market starts to get a little bit more of a benefit for their knowledge, in my opinion. Um, better rehabbers, right? If you're flipping houses and maybe you're a general contractor yourself that also raises your own private money, you can pay a higher price than I can and still get better margin, right? You have, uh, you, you've erased a liability, the liability being the contractor. You, you're the contractor, so your risk is lowered, right? So you're going you're gonna to beat that person that's operating out of state, right? And then businesses that have operational moats, right, or can separate themselves from their competition, those businesses tend to have an advantage when I think the market gets efficient, right? You have another way to win besides marketing. That is in my opinion, the main reason why going to storage, hold on, let me turn my Slack off. That is, in my opinion, why moving to storage is the right decision for us at this time, right? We cherry-picked deals for two years. Now, I think with the market being as efficient as it is, it's time to grow up 
be really, really good operators and be able to pay close to the market price if required. Obviously, we try to buy at a discount whenever we can, but a good operator can buy something at market price and still kick the shit out of that deal or kick that deal's ass, right? You could still make it work. You can still generate those 20% IRRs um, when the opportunities present themselves, right? And uh, that's what we've done. So we feel like in this environment, you got to be able to operate and to operate remotely. We wanted to find a business that was easy to automate the processes, sleepier than multifamily, right? Storage facilities don't have as much human activity, uh, hopefully, as a multifamily project, for example. So we wanted something that was a little sleepier from uh, the customer side. And it's also a business um, because it also is a small business that sits on top of real estate. We could use some of our marketing prowess, our PPC experience, et cetera, to run that business really, really, really well. Um, the other thing we like about self-storage is the, what we've seen people do that adds the most value is revenue management. And revenue management is simply studying your competition's pricing, evaluating your own marketing efforts and your own occupancy rates and adjusting pricing as required to maximize revenue. That's that's kind of how I look at revenue management. And you can do that from long distance. So we've had three deals under contract, like I mentioned, we're about to sell one in about three weeks at a pretty significant profit, probably would have taken us 10 houses to equal that profit, um, just for, for context. And we are also um, doing really, really well on our first two syndicated facilities. Our first facility the monthly revenue started out at $12,000 and this month we're going to go over $16,000 and we own, we bought that in October, right? That's that's a big, big change to the net operating income. And that's all through revenue management and operating or automating only a couple of processes, right? So I know I babbled. Um, this is a longer individual episode for our podcast, but what are the messages I want to recap and take away, right? One, uh, we started to see that not having operational expertise or operational excellence um, in our, rehab, in our real estate business started to hurt us when the market got efficient or the market got really, really hot, right? There was less opportunities to arbitrage or to be an opportunist. And now we are moving to a business where we can use the skills that we've developed in our single family business to operate it more efficiently. So if you're, if you're feeling pain and you're looking at your direct-to-seller marketing efforts and you're a full-time real estate professional, um, realize you're probably not alone. I don't think what I am describing is a unique use case. I think it's happening to a lot of people. And I would look at what you're good at, what skills you have and say, how do I operate really, really well to run a very resilient business, even if the market gets hot? If the market tanks and there's a lot of blood in the water again, you can always turn marketing on, right? It's You send out the messages and a month later, you probably have a deal if the market um, has blood in the water. So you can always turn it back on and go back and get back to the arbitrage game too while your operations are running. That's all I got. If you guys are interested um, in uh, following us on Twitter, John and I are pretty active. Um, and if you want to get on our email list for our deals or to see any of our publications, go to graylineinvestments.com. Thanks.